Welcome to Plant Stories. The modern, the old, and the crazy in between. a myth. Salvire actually means to heal. And that brings us into today's episode, White Sage, just to clear the air. (laughs) Yeah, so we're going to talk today more specifically about white sage. There are plenty of other kinds of sage, um, but this one specifically is white sage. and We can have a whole nother episode for the other kinds of sage later on. Uh, White sage, the Latin name is Salvia apiana. Salvia being the genus for about 960 plants or so that are herbaceous and woody plants, technically of the mint family. And sometimes this particular plant is referred to as sage bush. Uh, I've seen it referred in a couple places as silver wormwood. It's primarily available in the american southwest and great plains it prefers drier more arid climates that doesn't mean you can't grow it anywhere outside of the american southwest what doesn't seem to have spread anywhere like that naturally or have large enough populations anywhere else that it's really uh common or like natively adapted to anywhere else it's pretty recognizable by its leaves, which are about four to eight centimeters long, and they're tapered towards the bottom. They're known for having these kind of small white hairs on them that make them this, you know, silvery silvery gray color that we are accustomed to. And it is a perennial shrub. And they're super soft. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very (laughs) soft. That's kind of the advantage, I feel like, of hairy leaves Mm -hmm. they tend to be like soft Uh, the main pollinator for white sage are bees hawk moths wasps and also the wind the wind does a pretty good job so some people like them because they're known to attract hummingbirds although hummingbirds are not considered a main pollinator of the white sage plant what do their flowers look like so it does produce flowers or these like light purplish bluish color and they're considered like very aromatic they bloom from like late summer to fall they're cute they're like they grow on these like long little stalks out of the plant all of these things you may or may not have known about this plant obviously The most well-known reason, I think, that people know about sage is that sage has been very popularized for the practice of smudging. And what is smudging? Smudging is basically the burning of herbs to cleanse the space. I think it more specifically kind of uh means like a spirit like a spiritual kind of cleansing 
Although there are studies that have found that burning sage specifically can actually change the air quality, therefore removing bacteria from the air. White sage and common sage are really probably the most widely used varieties of sage, but white sage is much more prominent as a the type of sage that we use for ceremonial and kind of medicinal purposes. And Native Americans are the first people who have recorded the use of white sage primarily in a ceremonial or ritual manner. And it's really to kind of get rid of any unwanted persisting negative energies as well as like kind of as an offering to ask for protection, prosperity, and blessings. It's also important to note when you talk about this practice that uh, there are also other plants that can be used for smudging in some of these cultures. So sweetgrass, tobacco, um, and sometimes like cedar. Sometimes it's you know mixed with sage. Sometimes they're on their own. And I in no way mean to lump together all Native American cultures when I say Native Americans. Uh, You know, obviously every uh, different group of Native Americans practice different ceremonies or different rituals. And there are quite a number of them that use white sage especially because it was prevalent in areas where uh, native populations you know originate from so for many years i mean it was illegal for native americans to practice their religions and that really comes into play because i'm sure that If you're listening to this, you've probably heard things about white sage and about kind of cultural appropriation related to white sage. And this is kind of a part of that, you know, the way that we have been using white sage in kind of popular culture has become a controversial subject because of this. I mean, it wasn't until 1978 in the United States that Native Americans were freely allowed to practice their religions when the American Religious Freedom Act was passed. And that's pretty recent, really. Uh, It was a little earlier in Canada in 1951. But, you know, uh, people would be taken away or, you know, killed or persecuted for doing this ritual which in some native american cultures you know using white sage is a huge part of some of their religious you know and spiritual rituals and there's a lot of kind of pushback about that and i think part of that is because the act of smudging so the act of burning herbs to cleanse a space uh, has been done in multiple cultures. There are a lot of cultures that do it. Uh, I see a lot of people who kind of argue for smudging 
or argue against it being cultural appropriation by saying that Native Americans aren't the only people who do it. And that's true. Um, However, the burning of white sage specifically does originate in Native American culture and kind of currently uses of it in the larger market has caused shortages of access to these people who use it as a large component of their culture. So kind of one of the things about harvesting white sage is that it's important to, you know, leave, cut the plant a certain way and leave a certain part of it behind so that it can regrow. And even though you can't take white sage from, you know, protected land in the United States. Kind of what's happened is that it's been taken from land where Native Americans harvest it to be used for commercial use. And it's not obtained in a sustainable way. So it doesn't grow back for them or entire plants are taken. And by continuing to buy this product from these sources, you're essentially perpetuating the destruction of this plant in the wild or outside of these preserved lands and stealing it from Native Americans. So... That's where the controversy really comes from. And it is true. White sage specifically, we know, comes from Native American cultures. And it is a plant that is native to areas where they, you know, come from. And not necessarily a plant found everywhere. So, yes and no on the whole smudging thing. about smudging that there are a lot of smaller details within the cultural practice that are often ignored by people who are kind of uh, using it as something they've seen in popular culture where they want to just like cleanse a space because they you know feel something's not quite right in an area but They don't actually necessarily take into account all of the smaller details within the practice that make it what it is and give it its intended purpose. So, for instance, in most cases, you it's a bad omen kind of to light sage using a lighter. You would want to use a match. Because the butane in lighters is kind of like a chemical that might corrupt the ceremony. Um, it's also, you know, the the point of lighting sage is kind of to include all the elements in order to create a loop, essentially. So, you know, fire is obviously the sage is on fire. Earth is the sage itself. Oftentimes, in order to catch the ashes, people use an abalone shell 
and that's supposed to represent the sea and then the smoke represents the air and so in that way you know you're representing all the elements and restoring balance and kind of harmony to that space and something that i think obviously we don't think about if we're buying sage you know off the internet or whatever is that another important part of this whole process is that you should be harvesting sage in a positive spiritual space so that means often you know some people will harvest sage and gift it to somebody else and the act of gifting then becomes the you know positive action that you need to cleanse the negativity out of a space or if you yourself are harvesting sage it's important that you do it with a clear mind and positive intentions which means you know not smoking or drinking before harvesting it you know harvesting it with the intention of doing it sustainably so that the plant can grow back and you know making sure that you're not preventing the plant from continuing that cycle as it's kind of giving a gift to you in a way. Um, some, in some cases they don't even necessarily burn bundles the way that we've seen bundles. Um, you know, even burning in an individual leaf can still kind of have that effect. And so it's often that, you know, you just, buy it or it ends up in these you know kits or people don't have the full background as to what sage and you know smudging with sage as a practice like really should involve uh which is you know kind of disappointing because it's a pretty cool thing to think about if it's done properly. Yeah, even just the basic explanation of the ritual sounds really beautiful. Right, and like I said, there is some evidence that burning sage can actually, you know, reduce like bacteria in the air. And so it can be a really good thing, but it's also, you know, having that as a good thing also means, you know, continuing to allow the plant the space to grow and, you know, giving the opportunity, being thankful enough for the opportunity to do this to your space is also allowing it to kind of grow sustainably and kind of another thing that was brought up in quite a few things that I read was that you know when you buy sage off the internet or whatever uh, oftentimes you don't really know where it comes from and that's a huge part of that whole kind of ritual within itself is that the person who is harvesting it has good intentions and most of the time if you just have intentions to sell something you probably don't necessarily have the best intentions. It's not, you know, taken care of the way it needs to be taken care of. It's not harvested the way that it needs to be harvested. And that can definitely make it in a way less spiritually effective. 
And it's true. You know, you order something off the internet or from like what? What was that weird? Anthropology. I've never bought anything from anthropology in my life, but you know, you buy something from a place like that and more than likely that came from who knows where. I mean, a lot of places won't even disclose where they get it from. And there are some other spiritual plants like this that we'll talk about as well where, you know, there is some damage done or some intention lost when you make those choices. And really, you shouldn't buy sage at all if you're talking about, you know, doing it for yourself spiritually because the per you know, the purpose of buying it isn't isn't the same as being gifted it. So it might be better if you wanted to have it to grow it yourself even. Another reason that sage is kind of important both, you know, spiritually and, you know, culturally for these places is because of the use of cultural medicine as well. And so in quite a few different places, I found, you know, examples of white sage being used in native medicines it seems it's most commonly used for afflictions related to like colds or sinus infections and even indigestion it's definitely considered an antifungal an anti-astringent and an antiseptic and so i will say i took these from the u.s department of agriculture website but i don't quite know how accurate that is i mean it seems sort of accurate based off of other things that i saw but i don't know depends on how much you trust that source um the dakota and some other tribes did use white sage tea to kind of deal with stomach trouble Uh, the cheyenne used the crushed leaves as like a snuff so a snuff is a crushed leaf concoction that's usually inhaled uh, for its scent because the scent will do something for you And so it's used for, like, sinus attacks or nosebleeds and headaches. Um, The crow made, like, a salve for treating sores, usually mixed with neck muscle fat, probably from buffaloes, but could be um, some other animals as well. And they used a kind of strong tea as an astringent, especially for eczema. And they even actually used it as, like, a deodorant. And the kiowa made like a bitter drink from white sage that would fight phlegm and kind of relieve uh, stomach and lung complaints. So pretty commonly it's used for kind of those things, but that's also part of the trouble of kind of taking it from these people is that they can finally practice their traditional medicine and their traditional cultural rituals and their accessibility to those plants or in this case this particular plant has been significantly weakened and so that's why it's important that we shop sustainably here here
that uh, I do like to, you know, cleanse my space with herbs. I personally try not to use white sage unless I have some idea of where it came from or shopping from a direct source. Although I have used other things. There are other kinds of sage. There's stuff like rosemary, which can smell really good to burn as well. Um, Some people use things like cinnamon sticks. Yeah, that's more my vibe. (laughs) Well, you know I love the smells of fall, Krista. (laughs) Our season is beginning. (laughs) I know. It's the season where I come into my power. (laughs) But I do like in the fall to have a different version. I don't burn it, but I like to have, well, I guess it's still heat, um, like a pot where I have like water and cinnamon sticks and like some spices and other parts of plants in there. So that's kind of my like low and slow uh, cleansing of space. But I'll be honest, I mostly do that for like the potpourri effect. Like, if I'm doing something to, like, energetically cleanse the space, I'll do, like, some Nag Champa incense or, like, um, like singing bowls. Like, I'll do, like, vibration stuff. Yeah, I mean, I like scents a lot. So. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely like the smell of white sage. I just yeah. don't buy it in, like, you know... I, I don't I don't buy it just like from a random place on the internet or like from a witch kit that I find because I also think that that's it's as detrimental to the culture that it comes from as it can be for even you know like pagan religions and things like that and I try very hard to be considerate of all of those things because I know what an effect that it can have and Taking something out of its natural environment and over-harvesting it that way, regardless, can be very dangerous, you know, for the environment, not only detrimental to the people. So it's just important to consider these things and kind of, you know, know where your stuff comes from if you're going to try something new. And I think that's kind of the thing. It's like, this was, which is, you know, classic appropriation. It's brought up kind of as this like new thing that we're doing when it's actually something that has a lot of, you know, emotional and spiritual stake for a large group of people. And we're stealing it from them to give ourselves this false sense of, you know, positivity in our space. And I feel like if you're taking this in order to do that for your space, then you should know you're more than likely putting negative energy in your space by doing that. Mm -hmm. Maybe you like the smell, maybe you feel a little bit better, but if you really are doing it for the spiritual purpose, then more than likely you're putting something negative out there. And I haven't heard too many people actually using this the same way that Native Americans use it for their medicine. And obviously, uh, if you're not practicing any type of you know native or herbal medicine uh you might not need this like this doesn't uh necessarily this isn't like in cold medicine that you buy at the store or whatever but it it does seem to be pretty effective 
for that purpose as well. And so we shouldn't take that away from people who want to use it for that purpose. Is this a kind of sage that you would also cook with? You can cook with it. I did see that there was a Native American recipe that involved kind of turning this into like a flower, I believe. But it's not the common sage like that you would like make Thanksgiving stuffing with or anything like that. That is common sage. And I think that's true, too. Like, a lot of people lump sages together, and there's actually, like I said, there's, like, 906 plants or something like that in, or 960 plants uh, in the salvia family. And there's a significant number of them that are named sage of some kind. check where you're getting your sage from if you're gonna buy it and if you can't figure out where it's sourced from go somewhere else or grow it yourself i mean it's not super easy i'm not gonna say it's like the easiest plant to grow it's not like a succulent but if you can you'll find it really rewarding and it will be the best way to cleanse your space because it will be hand harvested lovingly by you yourself and you (laughs) And what are we going to learn about in our next episode? I think for our next episode, we're going to do the Palo Santo. The Palo Santo plant. Oh, yeah. Another thing that you burn. It's true. Well, thank you all for joining us on our season four premiere of Common Herbs. This was White Sage, just to clear the air. Thank you again, Minnie, for teaching us. And please join us next week. Uh, in the meantime, you can check us out on one of our dozen different platforms. Yeah, so you can search for us on Facebook or Instagram, like us. That's You can communicate with us if you want or have any plants you're interested in. And our podcast is available on numerous platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Slash Audible, Pandora, Podcast Addict. Podchaser, Deezer, Listen Notes, SoundCloud, you know. (laughs) If you have a favorite podcast site, we are probably on it. So join us, follow us so you can get our new episodes. And if you'd like to follow us on Facebook or Instagram, we would love to hear from you. Bye. Bye.